It is about transparency. It is about connected to different companies. It's about self-healing. So basically taking the signals you have and then adjust accordingly. And then obviously be sustainable, have the understanding whether your business is sustainable. So I think that's the important piece. And that's what we try to aim for. Not just look at siloed capabilities, even though you have the insight, you want to make sure it's then really connected and self-healing, self-reacting on the signals, on the changes that this gets further automated. And I think that's the power we need to bring in and we can bring in with the business network and the supply chain space. Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP, Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Nicole. Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Smythe, and I'm a blogger, podcaster, and marketer in the supply chain space here at SAP. So today we have a great episode ahead, diving into bridges built between our digital supply chain and intelligence spend business network portfolios and the synergies we bring to the field with our very special guest, Jorn Keller. So welcome, Jorn. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the podcast. It's so great to have you on, and we're excited for a great episode ahead. So to kick us off, if you could just take a moment to introduce yourself, dive a bit into your background, and of course, what you do today here at SAP. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here today. So yeah, my name is Jan Keller. I'm the chief product officer of what we call SAP Business Network. I'm in this position since March this year, so almost a year now in this job, and it's really been a great ride so far. Before that, I've been leading industry development for SAP and yeah, had had several other roles in the company, in particular on the retail side. That's really where I grew up, and I go back to my 25 years at SAP, I started actually as an intern in the retail space in Germany. And now I live in California, close to Los Angeles. Married three kids. Awesome. Well, I started off as an intern too. So I'm glad to know that I can make it to your position one day. Hopefully that's well. You've just got a few years to go, Nicole. <laughs> yes, time, yes. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, let's start off with the general question for our listeners, especially surrounding the field and the current market. What are some of the current trends and challenges in both the supply chain and the procurement space that you're seeing? I mean, and this is also basically what we keep sharing with our customers, what we see and what we really try to solve for and the value we want to bring into their business with the business network capabilities we offer. One of the big things is really the poor visibility into the supply chain, the procurement processes. And then obviously, when you think about the supply chain, and we've seen some of the events also in the past where you have delay in shipments, it could be large events where you have large delays in shipments or then also shorter ones. And then really, how do you react on that? And what does it do to your, let's say, constraints, which you have in the supply chain and the logistics side? In the ports, for instance, is it the availability of containers if you need to trigger additional shipments? So really, these are some of the challenges. Then obviously, it's cost. I mean, we see also that a lot of cost pressures is coming to our customers. We want to help them. And then last not least, a big thing we also see overall is at the end, the lack of digital transformations. So if you really look at the processes the customers run and how they work together today, there's still a lot of manual processes in there where they send emails and fax where you didn't believe that this actually existed. So really from the business side, as I said, the visibility, the delays, the disruptions, the constraints, but then also the digital transformation. We really want to make sure we can help to get them to the next level. And that's really a follow-on question. I mean, you talk about the shortages, the increased costs, the challenges that we're facing today. 
but how do companies address these challenges? What are you seeing them doing in the market? Yeah, so I mean, really what we aim for then with our capabilities in the network to bring in that transparency to have that. And so, for instance, if you look at this, this is on the one hand, understanding whom I'm working with. So basically, we have brought in capabilities to understand the trading partners by which I'm dealing with, the human rights information, but also sustainability, because that is at the end a big topic that's on top of mind for our customers. But then also on how trustworthy are those suppliers I'm working with and how reliable are those. So what's really the respective delivery adherence to the delivery dates they have promised. So from that perspective, we make sure that we provide this visibility overall when you choose to collaborate with a trading partner in the network, but then also bringing the visibility in and understanding what are the demands, bringing in demand trends as a larger scheme in the supply chain. And then obviously also on the logistics side itself, on the tracking and tracing side. So what are really the signals we get from the respective providers? Is the demand going to be fulfilled in time? Is the product going to be at a point in time where we would expect it? Or do we have then to trigger automatically replanning of, of dock appointment scheduling? Or do we even have to trigger alternative sourcing requests to then make sure we can still fulfill the demand that's needed? Yeah. I mean, historically, business networks were focused on collaborating with suppliers. And you're talking about something much broader than just talking to suppliers. There are many other types of trading partners in the ecosystem. I mean, we're talking about contract manufacturers, logistics providers, service management companies. So what role do these trading partners play in a modern business network? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think what we really see is classically, of course, as you said, you come from a procurement approach only. And classically, the network has evolved coming from a buyer portal, how I would like to call it, in the past, where you had this unidirectional relationship I'm a large company, I'm buying from you, you better work with me in my network and my collaboration portal. But what you really want to make sure is that we do not just have the buyer and supplier relationship. And it's not unidirectional either. You can buy from companies, but you can sell to them at the same time. And you can be a service provider too. You could be a contract manufacturer, you could also yeah. be a carrier. And so this is really what we bring in going forward. And we're currently working on this actively where we say we want to have an understanding of the companies in the network that can interact with each other. What are the different country organizations? What are the different service departments, purchasing departments, sales departments? And then those can enter what we call collaboration relationships in the network. So that means at the end of the day, a carrier can also be a buyer and purchase, for instance, the indirect material from one of their partners they actually do shipments for. So from that perspective, we really bring this together to a more holistic understanding of the companies and the networks. And then those companies can study these relationships on how they interact with each other. And then they can have those roles, as we just said. Also think about contingent labor and going forward, the same thing. We then can make sure for certain service orders, we do also source the contingent labor along with the materials and the spare parts. As I said, the network is now everything. Most companies focus on their core competencies and outsource everything else. So that visibility and the term you used was transparency across that broader network is critical. Absolutely. And yeah, it's not just one department working with each other. It's really this holistic interaction of business collaborations and bringing down those walls and making it all automated and digital. Absolutely. Recently, or in fact, in October, there was a Spend Connect event and SAP announced that in 2024, We'll be introducing generative AI capabilities into the business network because generative AI has to be in every business system, it seems like today. 
So can you tell us a little bit about how Gen AI will be leveraged across the network and what benefits do you expect to deliver? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, we have at the moment identified three first scenarios where we bring in Gen AI into the network. But overall, I think the power of Gen AI can really help us revamp the processes. So obviously, in the first phase, we look at simpler capabilities such as generating automatic responses on requests for information. So basically, if a buyer sends this type of request to the supplier, the system can now generate an automatic response and the user can then review it, make manual adjustments if they want to do it, and then response back. So if you think about this, there's a lot of value in there where you normally would go in with a template and manually edit certain information in a document, and then you have your typos and your errors in there, and then you send it back. This way, it's much faster, but it's also much more accurate. So that's managing by exception as well, I assume, in that you only then have to change 5% of it rather than 100% of it, if any. Absolutely, exactly. And then similar things, when we think about smaller suppliers in particular, when they maintain their catalogs manually in the network, and then if you do this, you miss some information, you have some mistakes there as well. You're perhaps missing even some proper description. So that's also another case where we basically bring this in and then automate that whole process for the supplier. They can just review and then publish their catalog items. So similarly, they really speed up and bring in a higher level of accuracy. And then also some others that go a little bit more into process automation already in the context what we call invoice detection, where we then bring in together the errors that happen during invoice processing cluster them nicely, and then again, going into an error view, and then only work on those which really have the, the biggest impact. But going forward, and that's where I see the biggest opportunity in the context of AI or Gen AI, to really rethink processes from an end-to-end perspective. And so this could be then things that really change the interaction of the system entirely. Think about a posting a buyer would be doing on a network, and I want to have purchased a certain set of products in the network, starting to look for suppliers, then perhaps send out some RFIs once they search, detected them, then the RFI gets sent back. So this whole process can be automated entirely. And so we're looking into how we're going to model that, that you can just with simple prompts, I want 50,000 blankets, and these are my requirements towards the supplier from a sustainability, from a human rights perspective. And then this automatically pushes five RFI requests to the five matching suppliers, and they automatically send the response. So as a once of your prompt, you automatically get the selected RFIs back. So these are things we're looking into, and this is then really truly where you have the power. Cleans go away entirely, and where you entirely disrupt the response times because you get more little, less immediate responses on that. So this is really where we have the power, where we can rethink processes entirely. I love the concept of being able to talk to the system and ask questions in your language and in the way that you speak, because it completely changes the dynamics of user interfaces and usability. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially from at least a customer perspective, people like to talk to a live person, but this is almost as if you are talking to a live person because of how intelligent and quick it is, and it can answer absolutely anything which it's incredible to see the progress that's been made. So it's like talking to an intelligent version of me instead of me. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. (laughs) You said it, not me. But it is crazy because just a couple months ago, you know, no one even really knew what Gen AI was. And now it's really changing the way we do work. But just like Gen AI has become an emerging trend, sustainability and ESG has also become a dominant topic of attention in the boardrooms of many companies and executives as well. And as we know, so much change can be done in these networks from a sustainability perspective. 
So how do the business networks in conjunction with other supply chain solutions like planning tools, for instance, play a role in helping companies achieve these ESG objectives? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this has several levels. And the way we tackle this at the moment in the SAP Business Network is that we, first of all, have the right information at supplier level. So when you think about you want to purchase certain items, certain services, you really start exploring or discovering the opportunities and the suppliers, the trading partners you want to interact with. And so the first level for us is on the profile of the trading partner. So where we do have the support for not just having them validated, but then also having validated certifications. So with that, then you know what are the sustainability certifications these suppliers have. And this gives you the first option in understanding, okay, is this a company I actually am interested in interacting with? And then the second level is we will have the information about the carbon data, for instance, on a product level. So when you start selecting the products, I do want to have a certain spare part. I do want to have a blanket. I do want to have the special product I'm looking at. So what's the carbon data on average attached to that product? You don't know specifically yet for the individual item because you make that product selection, but it gives you the next level of detail. We then can start discriminating between, okay, this is a company that fits more my goals, this company and this product fits less my goals. So I'm probably going to start working with this company and order this product. And then last, obviously, on the shipment level later, then we truly know where the product was produced and what carbon data came into it, but also which way did it take through the supply chain by ship and what route and by truck or by train. And from that perspective, then you know actually on the item level very accurately what type of carbon data was, let's say, consumed. And so this is really the three levels which we introduce on the network and make the data available to then help companies adhere to their goals. Absolutely. The visibility is key because we always say you can't measure what you don't see. Absolutely. Jorn, can I add one additional question around that? You mentioned human rights a little earlier. How does the business network help identify and ensure that you're not dealing with suppliers that may have human rights issues? Yes. So, I mean, what we have done is the first step. We have the ability that suppliers can really maintain their human rights self-assessments. So that's really one step we take. And as we keep expanding our capabilities, we also basically work with providers that help us validate those suppliers and really bring those certifications in as they become available in a validated fashion. So we will expand further. We're currently looking at partners to do this with. Awesome. Well, Jorn, you mentioned earlier too that being in the role as chief product officer for almost one year now, so congratulations and happy almost anniversary. I'm sure you've been involved in many different customer calls where you've seen the full digital transformation with incredible changes in collaboration across the networks. You know, you're already talking about a few examples as to what the solutions provide and seeing the customers now be able to implement that. So what are some of the success stories that you've seen so far that you would like to share with our listeners here? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, sometimes it's not as fancy as it may seem. Let me start this <laughs> right? Because digital transformation automation means it's invisible and it actually has an impact in reducing a lot of work, which you don't have to do anymore. And if you think about it, what we establish with the whole digitalization in the industry, but overall in particular with the network, we, we replace all the, let's say, individual system connections between companies that work with each other. With the network, the companies are onboarded and then they can transact with each other. They can send purchase orders, they can receive invoice, they can exchange 
quality collaboration information, you can exchange forecasts and plan data. And all of this no longer has to work via individual system connections, be it ADI and others. And if you look at this, the effort reduction on the customer side is massive. And that's for them a big step in the digital transformation. So definitely not a fancy thing. It happens under the hood. It happened under the hood before. But to get there is a huge difference because once our buyers and our suppliers are onboarded and they have done initial transaction with each other, all of this goes seamless and we handle this via the network and they don't have their own operations teams anymore. They need to keep things intact. So that's one of those pieces which are entirely invisible. But then when you think further, all of these companies we work with, they start picking one distinct network application. So either they start working on the indirect spend side or they start working on the direct spend and supply chain collaboration side or on the asset side. And what we've seen is that once they saw the value of this, which they can get by the network, they immediately start expanding their scope into additional capabilities. So whether it's one big customer we work with, their long-term supply chain collaboration customer have a lot of suppliers, a lot of their spend on the network. And they want to use also material traceability and they're going to use this now as well. And the way we're going to do this is that they activate the respective collaboration relationship with the set of suppliers. They want to have then their material genealogy data from and, and keep collaborating along that level. And that's then another level of digitalization where you say, I want the additional entitlement. I'm already there as a certified buyer. I have my certified suppliers and the network then will automatically enable that for them. So that's just one of these examples. Work with a large railway company that actually use the asset network and their collaborative maintenance there. They now say, okay, this is great, but can we expand also to indirect spend? And how is that possible to be done that we can do this immediately or on the direct spend side for that matter? So you see, of course, then these big advantages when suddenly it becomes very easy with them to expand their business without having large implementation processes. So both examples go into that direction. We classically would have had large implementation projects. This becomes much easier for them to get the business active and to get the value quickly from those solutions. And I'm pretty sure that there'll never be any shortage of new business models that people are looking to do with their partners to collaborate even more in the future. And with that in mind, I've come to the last question that we ask all of our guests, and it is about the future of supply chain. So if you had to describe in a sentence or two, from a business network perspective, what do you see as the future of supply chain? What I have in mind is really what I talked about. It is about transparency. It is about connected to different companies. It's about self-healing. So basically taking the signals you have and then adjust accordingly. And then obviously be sustainable. Have the understanding whether your business is sustainable. So I think that's the important piece. And that's what we try to aim for. Not just look at siloed capabilities, even though you have the insight. You want to make sure it's then really connected and self-healing, self-reacting on the signals, on the changes that this gets further automated. And I think that's the power we need to bring in and we can bring in with the business network in the supply chain space. That's a great answer. Jorn, I'd like to thank you for a great conversation. It's been really enlightening. Thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm sure we'll invite you back. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Jorn, Nicole and I, thanks for discussing the future of supply chain.